Hey, it's Mark K from the Mark K Show. You hear me every weekday morning from 10 a.m. to noon on 104.5 WOKV, Jacksonville's News and Talk. First of all, thanks for listening to the Mark K Show podcast. Second, if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the Burrish Daily Discussion podcast and Jacksonville's morning news interviews. And don't forget to head to iTunes and Google Play and leave a review. Thanks for listening. Entertaining. Never been so addicted to a show between 10 and 12. Informative. You call people out no matter what they are, and you hold them accountable. That's the Mark K Show. The first hour of the Mark K Show starts now. I was at sea coming back to Mayport. I was walking through the mess decks. Both TVs were on, and I saw both towers come down. A little bit after that, they reported, now man all weapons stations. I reported man and ready. And then they told me to undud all our surface-to-air missiles and give control to combat. For the next 48 hours, we did not know what was going on. Yeah, now we know a lot more about what happened that day uh, 19 years ago. 19 years ago, and just about 19 years and six minutes ago, uh, we saw the, um, it was the uh, Shanksville, the plane Flight 93 from United Airlines being brought down in that field in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, by the the brave men and women on that plane. And, you know, when, when you talk about 9-11 and when you hear, hear 9-11, even people today, well, do you remember where you were? Well, of course I remember where I was. It was 19 years ago. I'm not that old. Uh, but the one thing that you're never going to forget is where the other people um, that really that really helped out that day were the people like uh, Todd Beamer and Mark Bingham. You know, let's remember where they were. They were on that plane and they were talking to their relatives and they were saying goodbye and they were formulating a plan. Uh, you know, Jeremy Glick, uh, all of these people, Tom uh, Russell, uh, everybody who who sacrificed their lives it without knowing what was going on, locked in a plane in a fuselage. Not knowing what's happening in the outside world, getting tidbits here and there and mustering up the bravery. I mean, you're talking about you're talking about accountants and you're talking about salespeople. You're talking to anyone that you may work with. All of a sudden they're on a plane and they become a national hero. And now 19 years later, we still remember them. Uh, We still honor them. We still say their names, which they're doing right now in Shanksville. Uh, which they'll be doing uh, all day long down at the 9-11 Memorial in New York City. This is a day when, yeah, you want to remember where you were, but you want to remember where the other people were. You want to remember where Rudy Giuliani was and think to yourself, wow, what a difference two decades makes as far as New York City goes. New York City, 19 years ago, one of the greatest tragedies ever to befall not just the city, but the entire country. And it was right there under Rudy Giuliani that the city was able to come together, that the city was able to rebuild. Rudy Giuliani was underneath the Twin Towers in the catacombs of New York City with emergency personnel, his entire staff, firefighters, the fire chief, uh, police officers, rescue workers. He was as close to the action as a leader could possibly be. And he was there bringing the city back together, rebuilding the city immediately. Rudy Giuliani, who you may remember, turned down the $2 million check from the sheikh in Saudi Arabia after he found out that the Saudi Arabian terrorists were the ones who flew the planes into the Twin Towers to begin with. Rudy Giuliani, who was able to be a calm. I mean, he went that guy went to every funeral, every police officer, every firefighter. He was at funerals day after day after day. President George W. Bush, who took to the air, took to the air and flew around, stayed safe. Uh, was was uh, had a mobile command center who flew to New York, who sent troops into harm's way, the troops themselves, like that guy that just said, hey, I, I'm, I was on a ship. I was walking through the mess. Next thing I know, I'm told to ready all of our weapons to take to get the guns ready. We don't know what's happening. We don't know. We don't know if we're going to have to shoot another plane out of the air. 
and yet he followed his orders and he and he did what he was supposed to do. And there were servicemen and women here at home all over the world, not knowing if their next order would be to shoot down a passenger plane, to shoot down a commercial jet airliner, not a Russian MiG-28, not a North Korean uh, jet fighter, not a bomber coming from from, you know, some other uh, hostile environment, not shooting at an enemy submarine with some kind of silent drive that was skulking off the coast of New Jersey. No, their next order that they would have to be prepared to carry out would be to shoot a missile at a commercial airliner with innocent citizens aboard. That was what that day was like. Remember where you were, but then remember where all those other people were who really helped us all get through the day. 855-765-1045. we got a bunch more people on the line, too, that want to comment. We'll get to the, some of those uh, throughout the day. We're waiting on the president. The president and the first lady are honoring those who lost their lives on 9-11, and they're doing it at Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Uh, there, we're awaiting some comments from the president. We believe probably in about five or ten minutes he'll take to the podium, and when he does, we will, of course, uh, we'll duck into those comments live so you can hear them because it is, uh, it is you know, it is an important time to hear from the leader. And that's the other thing, too. When you think about what happened 19 years ago if you're old enough to remember and i know a lot of people you know and still listen to the show maybe maybe they they weren't that old or they just remember the bits and pieces of it you know if that's you there there's a lot of differences between then and now but a lot of similarities you know we woke up on 9-11 to the idea that we were being targeted by international terrorists who were willing to risk everything I mean, these terrorist organizations that attacked on 9-11, they, they sacrificed their time, they sacrificed their money, they sacrificed their lives to kill Americans. That's how much they hated the country. And a lot of us woke up to that fact that day. You always heard about the threat of terrorism. You always heard about Islamic extremists who just hated Americans, but they were always they were always in some far off world. They were always just videotaped footage of crazy people in the desert wearing black masks and shooting M16s, uh, you know, into the backs of jeeps. It was just, it was just something you saw in the nightly news. You know, Peter Jennings would report on on terrorists uh, in in Afghanistan or in Saudi Arabia or the Philippines or wherever they happened to be. They were never here in New York City. They were never boarding planes at Boston Logan Airport. They were never they were never in Florida at flight schools learning how to fly but not land planes because they didn't care about the landing. That wasn't important to them. That's what we learned afterward as well when we talked to the flight instructors. Yeah, they wanted they were really interested in learning to fly the planes. Landing they didn't really they didn't really seem worried about that. And that's what we woke up to on that day. International terrorists that wanted nothing else than the destruction of America. 19 years later, a lot's changed. We don't really see the threat of terrorism anymore. We don't really feel that fear anymore. After a couple of wars, after a lot of, uh, after a lot of unrest in a lot of different places, after toppling a lot of terrorist regimes, after a lot, after rebuilding our military, after taking out, uh, Soleimani and Osama bin Laden, after the Navy SEALs have had several successful missions, after, after, you know, our military, our Marines, our Army, our Navy, our Air Force has, as Donald Trump said, basically, basically obliterated ISIS. We rebuilt the awesome power of the U.S. military. We obliterated. We obliterated the ISIS caliphate. And now when you wake up in the morning, probably you're not too worried about getting on a bus and having it explode because some terrorist from some Middle Eastern country was able to smuggle a bomb on board. You don't have that much fear anymore. Now, there is a new fear. It's not international terrorism. It's domestic terrorism. 
And it's something that needs to be put to rest, just like we've done sort of for the most part with international terrorism. And you need the right leader at the right time. And I think we all agree we do have that leader at the right time. So a lot's changed. A lot's the same. There's still threats. There's still violence. There's still things that we're scared of. But we don't wake up this morning to the threat of international terrorism the way we did at 9-11. It may be a little scarier to think that now our terrorists live right down the street. And, they, and they're in our cities. And they were born here. And, and even scarier still is that you have entire, entire political parties that are embracing and emboldening them to continue to perform their, their acts of terrorism here domestically. It's a really interesting day. This 19th anniversary of 9-11 is a really, really interesting day. And I hope that when you reflect back on the heroes that we've met, heroes that we never thought would be heroes, but who nonetheless in the last 19 years have proven themselves to put their country and their countrymen before all else, I hope you remember that, uh, that we still have heroes in the making every single day. And they're on the streets in Portland and they're on the streets in Minneapolis and they're on the streets in Seattle and on the streets in New York. And they wear uniforms and they drive cars and trucks with sirens. And they don't know when they're going to be called to make the ultimate sacrifice. But much like those accountants and salespeople and regular folks, regular Americans aboard Flight 93, United Flight 93, who were ready and willing and able to make that sacrifice bravely for the rest of us. There are heroes. They don't know it yet. We don't know it yet. But they're going to give that sacrifice sometime, too. And thank God for them. 855-765-1045. Thank God for all of them. We got to take a quick break. We got some of your phone calls coming up here in just a minute. We got some uh, more audio. The NFL kicked off last night. I don't know if you watched some of it. If you've tuned in at the second quarter, that was probably uh, that was probably the best thing to, to do. But we'll tell you what they had planned, what they did, what happened in the crowd in Kansas City, if you missed that. We've got some more of Donald Trump's speech. He was in Michigan yesterday. And like I said, we're going to try to duck in on the president here when he takes the stage in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. So stay tuned. More of the Marque Show is coming up on 104.5 WOKV. This is the Marque Show. My name is Marque, 855-765-1045. All right, we are going to duck right now to Fox News. Uh, President Trump is speaking live at the 9-11 ceremony, Shanksville, Pennsylvania. We're going to take you there right now. Thank you, David, very much. It's a great honor to be with you. Nineteen years ago on this day, at this very hour on this field, 40 brave men and women triumphed over terror and gave their lives in defense of our nation. Their names and their stories are forever inscribed on the eternal roll call of American heroes. Today we pay tribute to their sacrifice and we mourn deeply for the nearly 3,000 precious and beautiful souls who were taken from us on September 11, 2001. To the family members of Flight 93, today every heartbeat in America is wedded to yours. Your pain and anguish is the shared grief of our whole nation. The memory of your treasured loved ones will inspire America for all time to come. The heroes of Flight 93 are an everlasting reminder that no matter the danger, no matter the threat, no matter the odds, America will always rise up, stand tall, and fight back. To every 9-11 member all across this nation, the First Lady and I come to this hallowed ground, deeply aware that we cannot fill the void in your heart 
or erase the terrible sorrow of this day, the agony renewed, the nightmare relived, the wounds reopened, the last treasured words played over and over again in your minds. But while we cannot erase your pain, we can help to shoulder your burden. We promise that unwavering love that you so want and need support devotion and the very special devotion of all Americans. On that September morning when America was under attack, the battle turned in the skies above this field. Soon after taking off from Newark, New Jersey, radical Islamic terrorists seized control of United 93. Other hijacked planes struck the North Tower of the World Trade Center, and then the South Tower, and then the Pentagon. The terrorists on Flight 93 had a fourth target in mind. It was called our nation's capital. They were just 20 minutes away from reaching their sinister objective. The only thing that stood between the enemy and a deadly strike at the heart of American democracy was the courage and resolve of 40 men and women, the amazing passengers and crew of Flight 93. Donald and Jean Peterson were grandparents traveling to vacation in California. Deora Bodley was a student headed back to college. Richard Wardagdo was returning from celebrating his grandmother's 100th birthday. Lauren Katozzi Grincolis was three months pregnant with her first child. Every passenger and crew member on the plane had a life filled with love and joy, friends and family, radiant hopes and limitless dreams. When the plane was hijacked, they called their families and learned that America was also under attack. Then they faced the most fateful moment of their lives. Through the heartache and the tears, they prayed to God. They placed their last calls home. They whispered the immortal words, I love you. Today, those words ring out across these sacred grounds and they shine down on us from heaven above. When terrorists race to destroy the seat of our democracy, the 40 of Flight 93 did the most American of things. They took a vote and then they acted. Together they charged the cockpit. They confronted the pure evil and in their last act on this earth, they saved our capital. In this Pennsylvania field, the 40 intrepid souls of Flight 93 died as true heroes. Their momentous deeds will outlive us all. In the days and weeks after 9-11, citizens of all faiths, background, colors and creeds came together, prayed together, mourned together, and rebuilt together. The song God Bless America became a rallying cry for the nation. We were united by our conviction that America was the world's most exceptional country, blessed with the most incredible heroes, and that this was a land worth defending with our very last breath. 
It was a unity based on love for our families, care for our neighbors, loyalty to our fellow citizens, pride in our great flag, gratitude for our police and first responders, faith in God, and a refusal to bend our will to the depraved forces of violence, intimidation, oppression, and evil. In New York, Arlington, and Shanksville, people raced into the suffocating smoke and rubble. At ground zero, the world witnessed the miracle of American courage and sacrifice. As ash rained down, police officers, first responders, and firefighters ran into the fires of hell. On that day, more than 400 first responders gave their lives, including 23 New York City police officers, 37 Port Authority workers, and 343 New York City firefighters. Today, we honor their extraordinary sacrifice and every first responder who keeps America safe. With us today is David D'Amato, a retired Chicago police officer and a current officer of the Navy Reserves. On 9-11, he drove from Chicago to Ground Zero. As David says, while the sights and smells of working at Ground Zero will forever be etched in my mind, what is more profound is the way this country came together afterwards. The police officers and firemen were revered as the heroes they truly are. The military was appreciated in a manner not seen in decades, and common people found new meaning and values like friendship, kindness, and selflessness. Thank you, David, such beautiful words, and thank you to every member of law enforcement who risks their lives to ensure our safety and uphold our peace. This morning, we also remember the 183 people who were killed in the attack on the Pentagon and the remarkable service members who crawled straight through the raging blaze to rescue their comrades. We express our undying loyalty to the nearly six million young men and women who have enlisted in the United States Armed Forces since September 11, 2001. More than 7,000 military heroes have laid down their lives since 9-11 to preserve our freedom. No words can express the summit of their glory or the infinite depth of our gratitude. But we will strive every single day to repay our immeasurable debt and prove worthy of their supreme sacrifice. America will never relent in pursuing terrorists that threaten our people. Less than one year ago, American warriors took out the savage killer and leader of ISIS, al-Baghdadi, Soon after, our warriors ended the brutal reign of the Iranian butcher who murdered thousands of American service members. The world's top terrorist, Qasem Soleimani, is dead. Here in Shanksville, this community locked arms and hearts in the wake of tragedy. With us today is Chuck Wagner, a heavy equipment operator who lives just a few miles away. Very soon after the attack, Chuck helped search for the black box. He was so changed by what he experienced that he joined with several members of his church to become what they call ambassadors for the 40 men and women on Flight 93. Chuck and his neighbors learned about each person 
cared for their families. And each day, rain or shine, they took shift standing vigil over their final resting place. Long before this place was a national memorial, back when it was marked by a simple wooden cross, Chuck and his fellow ambassadors were always here waiting to tell visitors about those we lost. Nineteen years later, Chuck says his life is devoted to three things, his family, his church, and preserving the memory of the men and women of Flight 93. To Chuck, his wife Jane, Thank you very much. Thank you very much. To Chuck and his wife, Jane, thank you so much for being here. And to the over 40 ambassadors with us today, please stand and receive America's thanks. And this is a very deep thanks. Please. Thank you very much. Also with us is Marine veteran Jason Thomas from Long Island. On September 11th, Jason had just retired from the Marines, but he immediately put back on his uniform and raced into the nightmare of ash and debris. At ground zero, he found a fellow Marine, Dave Carnes. Together they began to call out United States Marines, United States Marines, if you can hear us yell, tap, do whatever you can do with the United States Marines. Soon they heard a shout for help. Two police officers were trapped beneath 20 feet of rubble. Jason and Dave dug for hours on end, knowing that at any moment the wreckage could come down on them, crushing them alive. At one point, someone told Jason to stop. Jason replied, I'm a Marine. I don't go back. I go forward. That day, Jason helped save the lives of those two officers. For years, Jason said nothing about what he did on 9-11. He did not even tell his five children. But when he saw a rescue recounted on TV, he decided to meet those officers. One of them gave him a gift a steel cross made from a beam that Jason helped lift to free them from the hell on earth. As Jason said about the cross, it means a lot. It's a symbol of what we are as Americans, because that day we all came together and stood as a nation, as Americans. It didn't matter what race you were, what religion you were. It didn't matter. We all came together to help one another. I die for this country. I die for this country. Jason, thank you very much for bearing witness to the character of our nation. Jason, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jason. The men and women of Flight 93 were mothers and fathers, sons and daughters, husbands and wives. Nothing could have prepared them for the dreadful events of that morning. But when the moment came, when history called, they did not hesitate. They did not waver. Forty towering patriots rose up, took charge, made their stand, turned the tide, and changed the course of history forever. 
Our sacred task, our righteous duty, and our solemn pledge is to carry forward the noble legacy of the brave souls who gave their lives for us 19 years ago. In their memory, we resolve to stand united as one American nation, to defend our freedoms, to uphold our values, to love our neighbors, to cherish our country, to care for our communities, to honor our heroes, and to never, ever forget. Thank you. God bless you. God bless the heroes of Flight 93. God bless all of the families. 9-11 will never forget. God bless you all, and God bless America. Thank you very much. That is uh, President Donald Trump wrapping up his comments live at the remembrance for 9-11, 19 years ago. He's in Shanksville, Pennsylvania with First Lady Melania Trump, and they are uh, commemorating the death of the uh, 40 individuals on United Flight 93 who took matters into their own hands, of course, and saved countless other lives in Washington, D.C., in the Capitol building, which we know was the confirmed target of that plane. This day, of course, uh, there's going to be celebrations and uh, commemorations of the heroes all day long. There's going to be... Uh, all kinds of uh, people recounting where they were, the people they knew. And like Donald Trump just pointed out, several of these heroes who 19 years later, 19 years later, still definitely deserve our praise. And as we look at what's going on in our country today, we can definitely see um, there is a stark contrast. Thank thank goodness that we had people back then who could not only help our country get through this kind of a threat, but who could unify our country, bring it together and rebuild it. Um, You know, do we have the same right now? I think I think a lot of people would say at the national level we do. But when you look at a city like New York and what happened right after immediately following 9-11, the way the city came together, the way the city was be able to to band together and support. I mean, think about just think about the 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 way that New York City police officers and first responders and firefighters and EMTs and doctors and nurses. Think about the way people celebrated the police force in New York City after 9-11, the people that ran into the burning tower, the people that that drove their cars toward the destruction and the debris, the people that gave their lives trying to save the lives of individuals they'd never met. Think about what you said. I mean, if you don't remember, it was a very different scene in New York City 19 years ago than it is today. It was a group of people who were uh, men and women who dedicated their lives, made it their careers to protect and serve New Yorkers. And that's what they did. And they were given, I mean, the funeral processions were, it was packed. It was, it was every New Yorker coming out and paying tribute to these, you know, brave police officers, men, women, uh, firefighters who were just trying to help their community. Now it's a really different story. What's happening in New York City. And I think a lot of it is because of the leadership. The leadership back then, Rudy Giuliani was able to bring the city together and rebuild it very quickly. The leadership now tends to more divide the city and keep everyone locked in. Uh, And I don't know that there's that same spirit of coming together and repairing the damage. Plus, the respect for the police officers has 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 dissipated, disappeared. Not only is it diminished, it's pretty much gone. Eight, five, five, seven, six, five, one, oh, four, five. It's it's strange to think that that was just 19 years ago. Quick break. We got to we got to get to a quick break here. We'll be back here with more of your phone calls, more of your open mic messages. There is some other news we got to get to. There's a lot going on in the world. A lot of stuff happened yesterday. A lot of stuff happening next week. We're going to try to get to all that. I mean, we are in the midst of one of the most heated and hotly contested and important elections in history.
And if you want to keep this country safe uh, the way our leaders were able to do after 9-11, we've got some information that you need. It's all coming up. Stay tuned to the Marque Show on 104.5 WOKV. of 9-11, we saw America get back up and defend herself, fight for her freedom. Well, shouldn't we be doing that now, defend ourselves and fight for our freedom? Yeah, that's an excellent point. There were a lot of differences between the, uh, I mean, people say, you know, 19 years ago, wow, I can't believe it. Well, think about this. 19 years ago after 9-11, everybody walked around wearing a flag pin or hanging a flag. We would put flags in our cars. I remember that was the big thing. Every car had a had an American flag sticker or an American flag hanging off of the, um, off of the uh, you know, we used to have antennas that actually stuck up on our cars. Now they're built into the they're like stick out the back but we had the american flag was everywhere now the only time you really see an american flag it's burning and some antifa idiot is stomping on it uh in the middle of the night on some downtown suburban or some downtown urban street in like seattle or someplace and that's you know that's that's kind of shameful it's kind of upsetting it's upsetting to a lot of people especially people that were alive during 9-11 and really remember what unity is which brings me to what happened yesterday in kansas city at the kansas city chiefs game and I, I don't, you know, I, I tried, I tried not to watch it, but I knew that I would, I would either watch it live or watch clips of it. But anyway, I watched it. They wanted, this was the first big kickoff of the new NFL, the new woke NFL, not the NFL that didn't want to hire Colin Kaepernick and tried to find him for kneeling on, uh, on the, on the, um, turf while the, uh, national anthem was playing and everyone else was saluting the flag. Not that NFL, the new NFL, which wants to let everybody know that anytime you want to protest, whether it's kneeling during the American flag, uh, you know, the, uh, the national anthem and the, and the presentation of the stars and stripes, or whether it's just avoiding everything and staying in the locker room, which is what an entire NFL team did yesterday, uh, it's okay. You can do whatever you want. You can put the name of someone on the back of your helmet that was killed by a police officer, or you can uh, you can do whatever you want. Now on the around the field, they're also going to put little messages of anti-racism and and things like that. So I knew all of this was happening. We knew the buildup. So I watched it, and I have to. I'll be honest with you. It went down exactly the way I thought it would. I was a little shocked that there weren't more football players kneeling during the anthem. But then I realized one of the entire teams decided just to opt out of celebrating America and the country that has given them the opportunity to make millions of dollars for for playing a game. Uh, They just stayed in the locker room. And what happened was when they finally did come out after they sang the national anthem, after they sang the sang the uh, the black national anthem after there. And again, there may have been more. But from what I saw on television, only one of the players knelt down on the ground. The rest of them were standing. They were respectful. A lot of them had their hands on their hearts. But they uh, they the Houston Texans, they come out of the locker room and they got severely booed. Now, this isn't odd because they're in Kansas City. And every time the opposing uh, the opponent comes out of the locker room, whether it's before they do a mass protest of the flag or after, they're always going to get booed. But I think that the booing, there was that added oomph that not only were they, hey, you guys are the ones we want to beat tonight, but you also disrespected our country by staying in the locker room for the national anthem. So I think that was an added thing. After all that, though, when I thought the game was going to start, No, there was another demonstration, which they called a show of unity. And the players from both teams 
kind of walked out to the I wasn't really under there must have been something going on on the big screens and the they must have been doing something else. But they had all the players walk out and they lined up arm in arm. So you had the Houston Texans arm in arm with the Kansas City Chiefs and you had Patrick Mahomes with uh, Deshaun Watson. And they were all there lined up on the field and something else was there must have been messaging or something else in the stadium because everyone started to boo again. the opposing team this is the actual team these are the fans of the kansas city chiefs and they're booing their team for this quote-unquote show of unity uh in the middle of the field before the game and, and you go on twitter which i don't advise you shouldn't go on twitter i go on twitter so you don't have to and man people were just ripping these 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 booers if you will to shreds in fact booze was trending on Twitter for a good portion of last night and this morning. People couldn't believe. People were shocked that the Kansas City Chiefs fans were booing their own team for what they called a show of unity. People couldn't believe that the Kansas City Chiefs fans, the people that paid the money to go and watch this team, were now actively and audibly booing. And keep in mind, this stadium was at 25% capacity, and the microphone still picked it up. 25 this is only this is only a quarter of the fans that usually show and you could hear those on the micro on the NBC microphones so people were just stunned and they were horrified and they were just disgusted with the Kansas City Chiefs fans for booing during their so-called moment of unity or show of unity now here's what i don't understand here's what i don't understand how is it that booing is an improper form of protest? How is it that booing somebody is not an appropriate way to show that you disagree with them or that you feel betrayed by them or that you feel disrespected by them? How is it that, oh, that just going boo is not acceptable and offensive and disgusting and people that boo should be ashamed of themselves but kneeling during the national anthem? Or not even coming out, just staying in the locker room during the national anthem. Or locking arms in the middle of the field and standing there, you know, for a while. How, why is it that those are appropriate, but booing is all of a sudden bad? Why is it that one side can show their disgust with an organization or a group of individuals or uh, some kind of systemic racism that they feel belongs that exists in a uh, police department or a law enforcement agency or a country. But the other people who bought the tickets when as soon as they express their disgust with an organization like the NFL, like Black Lives Matter, like, uh, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs or the Houston Texans. Why is it that when that happens, all of a sudden, these people are disgusting and wretched, and I can't believe you would boo during a sign of a moment of unity. You're booing during a moment of unity. You people should be ashamed of yourselves. Really? Because I feel like if you kneel for the flag in the national anthem, right back at you. You know, you're yin to my yang. So yang my yin and shut up about it. It's really interesting. It's, it's amazing how people who love to protest don't like it when anyone else does. 855-765-1045 is our number. 855-765-1045 is our number. And then I watched the game, and, you know, I think everybody thought the Houston Texans were going to lose, um, and they did. 
maybe if they maybe if they came out for the national anthem, they would have had a better game. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. They all make a lot of money, so you you would think that if you make as much money as they do, you shouldn't lose. You feel? I feel like like if I made that much money and we didn't have you know we weren't as popular as we're supposed to be, I think they'd stop paying me. Eight five five seven six five one zero four five. This is Andrew in North Carolina. Hi, Andrew. Thanks so much for calling the Marque Show. How are you? Hey, Mark. Good morning. How are you? Oh, doing great, man. What do you want to say? I just want. I really wanted to lay out for everybody a break, some uh, some positivity and uh, just lay out a clearer path that I think you know should be like in front of us. Yeah, let's do some positivity. That's a great idea. What do you? What's positive yeah. out there in North Carolina today? I mean, God forbid anybody gets any positive thoughts at all recently. So all they all we run on and have ran on for four years, the world has seen it. Okay, the, the whole world's seen it. We've run off of positivity, your parents' values, family values, God, everything good. I mean, if this was a movie, we're the good guys. Okay, this is we're GI Joe, they're Cobra. I mean, give me a break. They run on nothing but panic porn, fear mongering, projection pieces race baiting and fake profiles and i could probably go on but you know the gist yeah no i'm i know exactly I mean, what you're talking about i like the co- by the way i like the comparison to gi joe and cobra and that's really right? for because right i mean that you're right in my wheelhouse i mean that's what i spent every time i had extra money from a birthday or christmas or if the easter bunny left me like 20 bucks it was going right to gi joe when i was a kid but if you think about it if you think about it Antifa and these and these protesters and these, you know, domestic terrorists that wrap their heads in scarves and run around lighting fires. They look like the Cobra characters did. And all the patriots that walk out there with their red hats on wrapped in the American flag with their big burly muscles and their tattoos. They pretty much all look like every G.I. Joe character ever made. So I love that comparison. That's a that's a great one. Hey, thanks so much for calling. And don't forget, G.I. Joe was the real American hero. Always will be. 855-765-1045. Eight five five seven six five one zero four five. All right, let's take a quick break. Uh, when we get back, we got some more of your phone calls. There was a lot going on here in Florida. There was a riot at in Orlando at a UCF uh, event. Kamala Harris was here in Miami, and she got a very cold welcome from the Latino community. We've got some of that. I don't know where Joe Biden is today or was yesterday, but he was out agreeing with Donald Trump. I'm not sure how that works for him. And of course, Donald Trump had probably his largest peaceful protest yet in the in the battleground state of michigan it was impressive to see all that and more coming up it's the marque show on 104.5 wokv entertaining never been so addicted to a show between 10 and 12 informative you call people out no matter what they are and you hold them accountable that's the marque show this is the marque show 855-765-1045 is our number. 855-765-1045 is our number. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. We're getting a lot of open mic story, uh, stories from um, 9-11. Of course, people sharing what they remember of that day and what they think about, you know, 9-11. Now, that we, now it's been 19, 19 years. And look at where we are now. Look at the state of New York City, man. Look at New York City. New York City after 9-11, what, before, right before 9-11 when Rudy Giuliani was still mayor, New York City was it was incredible. It was an amazing place and there was an incredible turnaround. It was safe. Uh, you know, it was a tourist center. It had a, a thriving economy. It was I mean, it was the place to be. It was really the the jewel in the crown of the Northeast and maybe even the entire country. Now, 19 years later, after 9-11, uh, we've gone through, I mean, just such a turnaround, 
such a turnaround. When you walk down the streets of New York and you see everything closed, when you see uh, when you see the disrespect for the police department, when you see the police who used to be heroes in New York City just 19 years ago, now uh, retiring in droves, having having, you know, things thrown at them, having being attacked, being shot at. It's it's really quite a turnaround. I never thought that we'd go back not only back this far, but have such a dramatic turnaround um, it is kind of it is kind of disheartening. Eight five five seven six five one zero four five. A couple of things going on in Florida. This is how you know things are really starting to heat up, and this is why uh, Florida. If you're here in Florida, um, you're gonna it's gonna be a really exciting couple of weeks. You're gonna get a lot of visits from the president of the United States, the vice president of the United States, the former vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris. Uh, in fact, she was here yesterday. She was here yesterday and she was doing an event at some historically black college uh, down near Miami. I forget the name, Methodist University or something or other. Anyway, she went in there to to she was supposed to, I guess, you know, do a little rally and, and get support for Joe Biden. And she did that by doing what she does best and bashing Donald Trump. Because when you don't have a platform of your own and when you don't have anything that you can fall back on or when your agenda is basically the, the destruction of the country, you don't want to talk about that. So you just bash the guy who's got the job now, who's doing a great job, and you call him a liar, and you call him a crook, and you call him unqualified, and all that, all that jazz that, you know, basically they're talking points. Well, on the way, on the way to the university, she drove down, I don't even know what street it was, but it was, it was packed with Trump supporters. But not any typical Trump supporters. It was packed with Latino Trump supporters. You had immigrants for Trump lined up all up and down the street with signs, with shirts, with hats, with flags. It looked like a Trump rally, and it was there to welcome Kamala Harris as she was driving to the university. And this is this is a dig, a double dig. It's a double dig for the Democrats because, number one, uh, you know, they, they expect that the Hispanic vote should be for the Democrats. They just always assume they, they get all the minority votes. Why? Well, because Republicans are racist. So if you're not white, then you're probably going to vote for a Democrat because why would you vote for a bunch of racists? Don't you know that? Don't we? We'll tell you. But in fact, if you didn't know Republicans were racist, we'll just say it over and over again until you understand it. Well, nowadays, people kind of realize that's not the case. Especially when you have someone who actually is racist, like Joe Biden, out there saying all of these, you know, as as Don Jr. puts it, these racist microaggressions, like if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Or, you know, um, black kids are just as smart as white kids. All these things that he lets slip. But really, it may just be the true Joe peeking out his ugly head. Um, and so anyway, Kamala Harris is coming to Florida, and now she's encountering Latinos for Trump. And that is disheartening because you've got a minority group that is that should be for the Democrats, but is clearly, clearly enamored with and supportive of the president of the United States, their arch nemesis. But also they're in Florida with 29 electoral votes up for grabs. Florida, the must win state for anybody who wants to be the president. Florida, the state that has gone to the winner of the presidential contest every single time since it became a state. Florida, which has pretty much a 50-50 split, but has a Republican governor, has two Republican senators, went to Donald Trump last time around, went to Barack Obama before that, but flipped back to red. So you've got a bunch of minorities lined up on the street in a swing state, in the most important swing state, some people would say, 
And Kamala Harris is driving down the street, and she's got to hear them sing praises to the one guy she can't stand, Donald Trump. We have a clip of it. It's all in Spanish, and I tried to I tried to discern as much as I could. But if you if you speak Spanish, you'll understand what's going. This is these are the protesters that were that were that were uh, greeting Kamala Harris as she came to Florida yesterday. Yeah, so I mean, I think I mean that's clearly it's right there. It's right there. That's the reason why uh, there's so many Latino voters here in the state of Florida and also around the country that are supporting Donald Trump in this election because they understand. I heard. Here's what I heard: Kamala Harris, Trump, socialista. And I think that's we pretty much can put it all together. We're voting for Trump, not Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, because we come from socialist countries. We know Venezuela. We know Cuba. We've been there. We've been able to escape. We came here to the United States of America and we see what you're trying to do. Turn it back into Venezuela. Turn it into Cuba. We left there and we're not going back. This is it. We're here. We're here to stay. We want to make sure that this America is the America we dreamed of when we were being per- persecuted by socialists back in our home countries. When we picked up and left the country where we were born, where our families lived, where our ancestors are from, the only homes we ever knew. When we abandoned those places because they were so horrible to live and we risked our lives to come here to the United States of America, Los Estados Unidos, the land of the free with our dream, our American dreams. When we came here, we left all that behind, and it was hard to do, but we made that decision. And now you and Joe Biden want to turn this country into that country? Uh Uh-uh. 855-765-1045. Oh, Marie in Mandarin. How are you, Marie? Hi, hi, Mark. I haven't talked to you in ages. It's so good to talk to you. you, you, You have a translation for us. Oh, yes, and I am um, Hispana. Oh, okay, great. Let me, let me play a little Hispana, bit. Hispana for Donald Trump, cuatro años más, four oh, more years. Four more, cuatro años más. I love that. Let me play cuatro a little bit. Cuatro años más. Learn that. Then learn that and tell Josh and your staff. Okay, I got it. Um, that's going to be their homework. Marie, let me play a little bit, and can you translate kind of as we go along? Yeah, I already heard it, and I'm going to tell you what they say. The oh. man said, we are here to show our support for Donald Trump. And then the lady said, we have left Venezuela. We are here from Venezuela, and we are going to vote for Joe Biden when we left socialism behind. No way. Oh, that, look at that. So uh, thank, that was, thank you so much, Marie. We really appreciate that. Yeah, and uh, this is what people have to understand, Mark. Yeah. We come, um, I fell in love with an American man when I went to school here, yeah. when my parents sent me to school to study here. And I am very fortunate that I didn't have to leave my country. However, the Hispanics that are in this country, they have left chaos behind in my own country that I am not going to identify Mm -hmm. because it is sad. You cannot even walk on the street with a watch or a pair of earrings because you're going to be robbed, which is what we are seeing on the streets, looting, breaking, burning. That's what we have in our countries. 
Yeah, and that's why they, that's why uh, these supporters for Trump are out there because they don't want to come here to America. You, however, and the difference is, and in our country, nobody chants defund the police. Yeah, no one is going to do that. We want more police yeah. on our streets. Marie, listen. But the corruption in our countries yeah. is what has driven people out, and it is what Donald Trump stands for. A vote in 2016 against Hillary Clinton by this Hispanic and all of the Hispanics that I know was a vote against corruption because we know what the Clintons did in Haiti. Yeah. When they went to rebuild Haiti, they kept all the money. Nothing was done. The Haitians will tell you that. Marie, listen, thank you so much for calling in with the translation. We really appreciate it. And don't forget, cuatro años más. Cuatro años más. Viva Donald Trump. Long live Donald Trump. Cuatro años más. Cuatro años más. Okay. Thanks so much for the call. We got to take, take a quick break. Uh, we'll be back in uno minuto. SASL uh, show de Marco K. Stay tuned to 104.5 WOKV. Estuvimos aquí para dejarles saber que nosotros los hispanos no estamos a favor de ella, pero esto parece una, un evento de Trump. Kamala viene a territorio Trump a menos, de, a menos de dos meses para el evento final que es electoral. Venimos de Venezuela para venir a votar por Biden, me parece una locura total. Con la misma retórica socialista que vendió Venezuela. Sí, es la verdad, totalmente. Uh, cuatro años más. Uh, this is the Mark K Show, 855-765-1045 is our number, 855-765-1045. One more thing about these, um, we're kind of all over the place today, but, you know, it's 9-11, and we've got a lot of people pouring in with their memories. We we paused to listen to the president speak in Shanksville. We did want to mention, of course, what happened when Kamala Harris came to uh, Florida yesterday to to pander for votes from minorities. A lot of, uh, a lot of Latino voters from Cuba, from Puerto Puerto Rico, from Mexico, from wherever, from all over. They met her on the freeway with their uh, Latinos for Trump signs, and they started saying exactly what you heard them say there, that they don't support socialism. They don't support their agenda. They support America. They support the American dream. They support President Donald Trump. And that's got to be a blow to the Biden-Harris campaign. Um, also, the other thing that happened yesterday with the NFL, and we should point this out, it was the day before 9-11, and there was no mention of that at all. There was no mention of the military or the lives lost. There was no moment of silence for the military. There was the show of unity, which, again, in my humble opinion, was not really a show of unity. It was a bunch of football players standing around on a field. I mean, if you really want a show of unity, where were the fans? You know, why weren't there fans there? Why weren't there police officers there? Why didn't you have military personnel? Why didn't you have people from the community? I mean, it's just a bunch of football. It's like the two sides got together, locked arms. Again, I don't know what was going on on the screens. I don't know if there was anything else in the stadium. But what we saw was just a bunch of football players hanging out and people in the crowds booing because it was probably the least unified show of unity. It was only it was only one side of the argument. It was one group of individuals protesting. And and that to me is the opposite of of unity. If you're getting booed during a show of unity, you're obviously doing it wrong. <laughs> you know, if, you, if there's a real show of unity and it's done well and everybody feels united like we did after 9-11. And I was there. We all felt united. There was no 
black, white, blue. There was no foreign, domestic. There was none of that. It was America versus the terrorists. That was it. You were an American or you were a terrorist. And that was all there was. And all 300 million of us, to, you know, as far as I knew, felt the same way. Nowadays, you have a show of unity that people are booing. What is that? Does that mean that the people booing are wrong? No, it means the people that are saying, hey, we're unified are clearly wrong because you're not. Because if you were unified and if you were showing unity, then the people that dropped their hard earned money to come and watch you play a game would not be booing you. That's just that my I know you didn't ask for it, but that's my opinion. NFL eight, five, five, seven, six, five, one, oh, four, five. This is Jay in Jacksonville. Hi, Jay. How you doing? Thanks so much for calling the Mark K show. Hey, Mr. Gay, I really enjoy your show and your narrative. Um, oh, thanks, Jay. I appreciate it. I'm just calling. I watched, I watched the game last night, and I'm, I'm one of those guys that I can't stand professional athletes talking about politics yeah. or ESPN or any of the channels. Um, that, that's our getaway, but um, I love football. Yeah. And I wanted to see last night how the NFL handled it, and... Uh, you know, you, you said with the Texans being inside, that was disrespectful. I, I kind of understand that, but on the other side, I'd rather them be inside and not disrespecting our country and our national anthem and our flag. And then they're going to have to find a way to, um, and I hate this word, appease people, because if they let this Black Lives Matter and all the social unrest go crazy in professional sports, they're all going to go away. I really don't care about any of them except for football. Mm. And um, it's uh, I like them standing at the 50-yard line after the national anthem. So right. everyone stand at attention, respect the country, respect the flag. And then if you have something that you want to protest or get off your chest, you know, maybe circle up in the... 50-yard line, five minutes before kickoff, and then let it go. And the, the other thing is the camera was just fixated on the one chief that was kneeling with his fist in the air. Yeah. And, um, you know, there was only one that I saw kneeling. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Listen, Jay, well, listen, we have to take a quick break. But I, look, first of all, I, I really appreciate your call. And I understand exactly what you're saying because, you know, we're a football family. My kids play football. They do fantasy football. My wife's a huge football fan. She's from D.C. and she's still she's still burned by the whole, you know, Washington football team thing. Her whole family has been Redskins fans for years. So we understand politics getting in the way of a sport that you love totally. Uh, personally, as far as what the Houston Texans did yesterday, I mean, I've been a Jaguar fan for 19 years. I've always hated the Houston Texans. This just shows me that now I have another reason to hate the Houston Texans. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks for calling. Quick break, 855-765-1045. More of the Marque Show next. Entertaining. Never been so addicted to a show between 10 and 12. Informative. You call people out no matter what they are, and you hold them accountable. That's the Marque Show. This is the Mark K Show. When I was younger, I always remember people talking about, do you remember where you were when JFK was assassinated? And I always thought that that was odd until 9-11 happened. That day and most of that week has been burned into my brain. And that's true with the whole th- a part of the week because it was a week-long uh, I mean, it was a week long event. People were, you know, locked out of their offices. People were, uh, watching funerals on television. There was more information coming out. I mean, we didn't just get all the information at one time. We didn't have Facebook back then. We had something called MySpace. 
You know, we didn't have uh, all those other social media. Twitter wasn't even a thing. So it was, you know, it was the information came out a lot, a lot slower than it does now. And that's, um, you know, and that's part of the reason why. But it, it was a totally different experience. The things that happened 19 years ago during 9-11. Now, slowly but surely, you know, people forgot the unity that we had. And George Bush, who everyone thought was a, a hero and was the right leader at the right time, was soon demonized. What with, the, you know, uh, the war in Iraq and Saddam Hussein and everything else and his mission accomplished, uh, you know, flubbed landing on the on the aircraft carrier. He became demonized and people began to hate him again. And when he left office, he had one of the lowest approval ratings ever. But I think he had the highest approval rating of any president immediately following 9-11. I think it was up to like 80 percent job approval rating or something, which was ridiculous. That's how unified we were for a moment. By the time he left office, it had, it had of course, come back down to the to uh, the point where people just hated him. Eight five five seven six five one zero four five. That's how it is, though. I mean, when you're a leader, you have to take the good with the bad. You have to be able to take your lumps. And if anything, Donald Trump has proven that he's been able to take lumps, not just for himself, but for everyone. Oh, speaking of which, Donald Trump did a White House press conference yesterday. And again, you know, Joe Biden, I understand he's older. I understand he doesn't, you know, he's what following the science or whatever. I understand he doesn't want to get COVID-19 until September 29th. So he's trying to stay because here's the problem. If he gets coronavirus early and he quarantines for two weeks, he'll have antibodies and it'll be tough for him to say, hey, I got coronavirus uh, the night before the debate. And on September 29th, he won't be able to duck out. So they're trying to keep him under wraps still. But Donald Trump yesterday not only flew to Michigan for another incredible peaceful protest on the runway probably the largest one i've seen probably the largest one i've seen in fact i saw on uh when i was watching it on youtube last night i saw i i would say thousands and thousands of people at this rally in michigan and they were in i mean this is the same place where joe biden was same day same bad day same bad time whatever and joe biden had three cameramen that he was speaking to Donald Trump had thousands of people that went to an airplane hangar to watch him speak and learn about, um, you know, what he had going forward for the next four years. And before that, before he even got on the plane to do that, he had a press conference at the White House and he talked about what was going on. He talked about, you know, uh, all the important things with um, with, uh, you know, um, with the Supreme Court justices and whatnot. Um, and of course, the first question he got was from John. He called on John Carl. I don't know why people call on John Carl, but that just goes to show you again how what kind of person the president is. You know, John Carl is going to ask you a, a baited question, a loaded question, a question that has absolutely nothing to do with what the topic is. You know, it's going to be a gotcha question. And you know that John Carl is just looking for a soundbite that can go viral so he can promote John Carl. And that's exactly what he did. But the president called on him anyway. And here's what he said. Why did you lie to the American people and why should we trust what you have to say that's now? That's a terrible question and the phraseology. That's a, t that's a t Donald Trump. Like no other president would say that. First of all, no reporter would ask any other president that. No reporter would go to Obama and say, um, when you said if we liked our doctors and our health plans, we could keep our doctors and our health plans. When you said that, why did you lie to the American people and why should we trust you now? That's that that's never was said, never was uttered by a reporter. In fact, do you remember the gasps at the State of the Union address 
when one of the Congress people yelled out at Barack Obama, you lie because he was blatantly lying. Samuel Alito, who was on the Supreme Court, he didn't even verbalize it, but he was caught on camera shaking his head saying, that's not true. That's not true. That's all he did. And he was raked over the coals by the media because of what he said during Obama's State of the Union address. But here you have John Carl just waltzing right into the uh, press room, getting the first question, saying, hey, quick question. Why did you lie? And why should we believe you now, lying liar? That would never happen before. But the other thing that would never happen is you'd never have a president that comes back and says, that's a horrible question. They would mumble and they would stumble and they would come up with some kind of pre-planned response. But Donald Trump looks at him and just says, that's horrible. And your phraseology is just awful. And you know that you know he wanted to say, and you're just the worst person in the world. But he didn't. So I will. John Carl's like the worst person. Why did you lie to the American people and why should we trust what you have to say that's now? A terrible question and the phraseology. And that's really a question that you could ask any member of the media. You could ask John Carl that. You could ask Chris Cuomo that. I mean, we didn't even play the Chris Cuomo quotes yesterday where he was coaching, where he was coaching Michael Cohen on what to say in an interview on CNN. He's literally creating news. The thing that they say they don't do. We are not fake news. Wolf Blitzer telling Bill Barr just last week, you know, we're fair and balanced. Bill Barr laughing in Wolf Blitzer's face just to find out that Tucker Carlson's playing clips of Chris Cuomo, the shining star of CNN nighttime, coaching, uh, coaching a guest on what to say and how to say it. Literally scripting an interview. With somebody who's supposed to appear on their show later on as a, as a you know just an, as as a, as basically an extemporaneously speaking guest, it's ridiculous. It's that that's what we've come to. Uh, but Donald Trump answered the question and he said, "Look, I never lied to anybody. I kept America calm. I did my job. And any other president would be expected to do that job. And if another president didn't do that job, that president shouldn't have that job because again, mitigating information." And keeping Americans calm in the face of danger is is probably one of the most important things a president can do. 855-765-1045 is our number. This is Pete in Fort Worth. Hi, Pete. How are you? Hey, Mark. I'm doing great. Uh, oh, good. Former, up, former upstate New Yorker. Now I live in Texas and a uh, sad day for me. But I want to make one really quick point. Yeah. Um, I just had a family member, several family members, they freak out. You know, it's so easy to pick on Joe Biden. And I don't say anything really, really bad. It's just, just kind of funny things on Facebook. They are freaking out. And I, and I finally had someone admit to me why in my family. In my family. Who's freaking, freaking out? Hold on. Out. So let me make sure I know. Your family's freaking out because, what, they like Joe Biden? No, they realize that Joe Biden is horrible. Oh, okay. And, right. and, and they realize. I think they're realizing how absolutely brilliant Donald Trump is. And I, they are freaking out. I think it's causing more polarization. And I finally got a family member. I didn't make him admit this to me. He said it. He said, he said, Uncle Pete, I'm so upset just because we have a horrible candidate. And I was like, well, I, there's nothing I can do for you. Yeah. Um, that's the only point I wanted to make. Thank no, you. you're Pete. You're I'm, you know what? I'm hearing that, too. I hear because there's a lot of people that I know that just don't like Donald Trump. Uh, they don't they may not know his policies or what he's done for the country, but they don't like his attitude. They don't like what he says. They don't like how he act acts. They don't like what the media says about him. They don't like the clips they've heard from his past. They don't like Stormy Daniel, all that stuff. So they don't like Donald Trump and they don't want to vote for him. 
But then when you say, well, you're, you look at your guy, they don't want to vote for Joe Biden either. And every single day I hear probably from somebody I know, you know, I just I don't want to vote for either of them. I'm probably I at this point, I just am not going to vote. And that's where the Democrats are going to have a real issue because Republicans, they're going to go out and vote for Donald Trump. They're going to go out and vote against Joe Biden and against socialism and against defunding the police and against Antifa. They're going to go vote for Donald Trump. And if you have somebody who just sits there and goes, wow, I don't like the Republican guy, but God, the Democrat guy is even worse. So I'm just not going to vote for any of them. I mean, that's a that's a bigger problem for Joe Biden than it is for Donald Trump, because that shows there's no enthusiasm on the left, which we knew. But, you know, at, at some point it's going to come back and it's going to bite him. Eight, five, five, seven, six, five, one, oh, four, five. Quick break. We're going to squeeze in a few more phone calls here in the little time we have left. This is the Marque Show on 104.5 WOKV. This is the Marque Show, 855-765-1045. By the way, I've forgotten to promote my own show several times today. It's just been one of those days. You know, we are we all have our minds elsewhere. However, tomorrow at 3.30 p.m. on Newsmax TV, you can watch the Marque Show. And we take clips from the last couple weeks. Uh, you know, some of the stuff behind the scenes as well. Oh, Josh and I play the uh, wall game. Remember somebody sent us the wall game on Tuesday? Where Were you here? Not here for that? I was here, but I don't remember the wall game. Oh, well, maybe... Maybe you weren't here. Uh, somebody sent us a wall game, and you build it up. It's like it's like you build up a bunch of walls. You put Donald oh, Trump on no, top. Oh, no, I was here. And then you have to – anyway, if you want to see this play, and I'm not going to tell you who won, but let's just say it was me. Uh, you can watch okay. that tomorrow. It's on our Newsmax show, the Marquee Show on Newsmax.tv. Go to Newsmax.tv to find it locally, or you can watch it on the app, or you can – uh, watch it online. There you go. Eight five five seven six five one zero four five. Let's squeeze in a couple more, uh, a couple more calls here. Diana is in Illinois. Hi, Diana. How are you? Hi, Mark. I'm I'm okay. I'm a little sad today, crying. Yeah. Watching all the nine eleven, and um, it just made me sit back and think how how horrible it is that we. I don't even know what to call them. I guess I'm going to call them American terrorists. I'm not even sure if they're all from America, but uh, I watched. Uh, the cities and that go up in flames and all the terrorism going on. And I just can't believe the way that the law enforcement and the firefighters and that stood up for America at 9-11 and so forth. And I can't believe that this country is not backing them and letting them do their job. You know, that, Diana, that's a really well said. And you, if you think about it, if you see, if, and you know, for those of us that were around for November or for uh, September 11th, if, if you look at the photos of downtown New York, for example, or the Pentagon, or uh, you know, any anywhere else, um, especially around the Battery, especially around the World Trade Center areas, you, the destruction that you saw there. It's very similar to the photos you see coming out of Kenosha, Wisconsin, and the photos you see coming out of Seattle and Minneapolis, especially the fire. It is just as devastating what's going on in these American cities. And what's even more devastating is the, fu- the fact that it's not these terrorists from a, a far off land who are well funded and who hate Americans and Christians and everybody and Jews and everybody else. They just hate us for being born here. It's people that are also born here and just hate us for whatever reason, because uh, because it's cool or because, you know, they didn't get a fair shake or because they don't like Donald Trump or because then, you know, Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton. And, you know, and it, and it is sad to see that the, the similar kinds of destruction that can be done by Americans to Americans, as we experienced on September 11th, 19 years ago. Hey, thanks so much for the call. Uh, we really appreciate it. This is Janine in Carson City, Nevada. How you doing, Janine? 
I'm great, Mark. How are you? Good. Are you impressed that I pronounced Nevada properly? I am. Oh, okay, good, good. I've talked to enough people from Nevada. Uh, they're very big on correcting me when I'm wrong. Well, we've got about a minute left. What do you want to say today, Janine? So President Trump is supposed to have a rally tomorrow in Reno, northern mm -hmm. Nevada, and Sunday in Vegas, and our illustrious governor canceled the rallies. Yeah. Yet, because we have a 50-people uh, limit on, on gatherings, but last month our lovely governor was protesting with BLM much more than 50 people. Sure. Uh, now, let me ask you this. The governor claims he had no role in canceling the rallies that the airport venues well, canceled the rallies because of the order. Then why aren't we just having it somewhere else other than the airport? Yeah, uh, I know that. Th I, I agree with you. I think that the governor had a huge hand in that. And if I were Donald, I, if I were you, I would I would hazard a guess that Donald Trump and his team will figure out a way to get that rally at at least one of those locations. Because, again, Nevada is a very important state in this election, as it always is. And Nevada deserves to hear from the candidates or at least the one candidate that actually wants to go there. And Nevadans like you, uh, definitely. I know there's a lot of you that support Donald Trump this time around. And that's probably why your governor's scared to let him go there, because think about this. Think about this. If you're if you're going to try to shut down the president of the United States from visiting your state in an election year, you've got to know that he's got a heck of a lot of support there. All right, we got to get out of here. We, we, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks to everybody who called in, shared their stories, uh, shared their open mic messages. And thanks to all the people who've been sharing their stories on the chat. We will be back Monday uh, with an all-new edition of The Mark K Show. Stay tuned for traffic, weather, news, Rush Limbaugh. It's all next on 104.5 WOKV. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.